to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. First Thessalonians chapter 2 today. If you've got your bulletin, please put it in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I think Don did a great job last week of opening up 1 Thessalonians to us. And again, I joked about that he was trying to do three chapters all at one time. And the reason you're trying to do three chapters when you open up this book is that it's kind of a weird book that Paul really takes three chapters to do the introduction to this church. I've heard some pastors talk about it. this is really like it's almost like a love letter that he has written to this church. This Thessalonica church, and that's how I call it. I don't know how he was calling it last week. He was speaking in tongues or something. But Thessalonica, this is a church that he loves greatly. It takes him three chapters to do the introduction to this church. Last week, Don talked about how as we looked into Acts chapter 17, and as he was in Acts chapter 16, uh, that's when he went to, to Philippi, and he started the first European church there. We talked about the book of Philippians a couple books ago. He then moves into Thessalonica in chapter 17, and as he he got he moves into this city, he he's there for three weeks, and they get an amazing job that he has done in three weeks. Not that he just started a church, but man, he's got he's got elders and deacons. I mean, he's got a church that he has started in three weeks. As he's pushed out of that city because of of the hostility that's towards him, he moves to the next one. Well, then his heart then is still looking back to this church that he cares for that he started. And as we continue to read into this chat, this, this book, that he looks at them and he goes, man, I just, I'm just, I'm just concerned about what's going on there. And so as he takes three chapters to do the introduction to them, many of his books, he, he's, you know, in, in the first chapter, he'll, he'll wrap it up within a couple paragraphs. Oh, I've always unceasingly praying for you and, and love, grace and mercy. And, and he'll just, that's his typical introduction. Three chapters that he spends and just the hope and, and just the great things that he has seen within this church. Much different, again, to the Colossians, the Colossi church that we talked about, that he really had never even gone there. It was just somebody else that was a follower of, of Paul and, and follower of Jesus Christ that had started that church there. And, and Paul just hears the stuff that's going on there, and he wrote them a, a letter. This, again, is Thessalonica. The church that he had started and he had such love for, that he cared for, that he that he looks into them and he says, Man, I... I'm just, I'm just concerned. Next week we'll see that he's so concerned that he's like, man, I, I need to hear what's going on. We, man, we're, we're sending Timothy to you. We're sending Timothy because, man, I, I got to know what's going on there. What is happening in the church? Why is he concerned? Well, in the first chapter we saw in, in one chapter one verse three, it says, you know, we we remember without ceasing your work of faith and the labor of love and the, the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that same thing in, in the in the book of Colossians when he talked to them as well too. A work of faith and a labor of love, the patience of hope, the faith, hope, and love. It just a, again, it's a common thread that you will hear hear with Paul. Faith, hope, and love. In Thessalonians, verse one, verse chapter one, verse five, we also see that that they became Christians not by word only. But the gospel came in power. 
The gospel came in spirit. The gospel came in assurance. And this power is, is a dunamis. It's, a, it's an exploding power. It's just, it's overwhelming. I mean, the gospel just it comes upon you. And those who have not been saved, and as you guys have now been saved, you understand when you have a true understanding when that gospel comes upon you, it's just power. It just takes you over. And there's just nothing else that you want to do but to love Jesus. As you understand the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you understand the bad news that you had before. And as this comes upon and this assurance comes upon your life of, man, there's someplace else that I'm heading to. It's not that I've been promised a Ferrari or to live on siesta or man, he's just going to, I'm just claiming that and I'm going to just take that thing that God is just, no, it has nothing to do with wealth. He came to give us assurance of, of the fact that I have salvation. Christian, again, we deserved hell. We earned it well. All of us. We earned that. I mean, it was, it was paid in due, man. We, we were going there. We can't blame it on somebody else. We can't blame it on a, on a missed field goal. We can't blame it on a, oh, the, the, the cop, he just set me up for that. That's why I got the, no. We deserved it. We earned it. But instead, God comes upon you and with just the gospel and just the love. And this gives you this the assurance of, man, I'm going to see heaven at one point. Exactly. And the mercy to be able to come upon you and just give you that assurance. So then as we move into chapter 2 this morning and we start off in verse 1, it says, "For For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you is not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the uh, speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For your exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, or nor was it in deceit. But we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our heart. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, or nor a cloak for covetousness, and God is witness. Nor did we speak glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own child. So affectionately longing for you, we were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for, for laboring night and day and that we might not be a burden to you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are our witness and, and God also of how devoutly and justly and blamely we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you now know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as the father does his own children that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God, which also affectionately, effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea and Christ Jesus For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. 
who killed both the Lord Jesus and their prophets and have persecuted us. And they did not believe, please God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. And again, I think sometimes when we read the scriptures, we kind of forget that this is this is a letter. This is like you in the old days. You know, they don't do that anymore. I don't even think people write emails anymore because if it's not done in text or Instagram chat or, or whatever, Facegram or something, I mean, it's it just nobody does it anymore. You know, it has to be, you know, no more letters anymore. I mean, if you receive something in the mail and it's a card, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a, this is what people actually used to do is handwrite something. This is a handwritten letter to this church. And I think sometimes as, as we look through our scriptures, I think we forget the genuineness that when Paul wrote this, he didn't write, okay, this is going to be um, 1 Thessalonians because in the future I'm going to write another book to them. Um, this is going to be chapter 2 and this is going to be verse 1. And then he writes out that first sentence. And then he goes, oh, wait, verse 2. And he, he didn't do that. This is, an, again, an affectionate letter written to this church. And so as we read it, we're reading somebody else's mail. This is Paul's heart to a church, and we're reading somebody else's mail. So as as he mentions something so personal as verse 1 and 2, it says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel and God in much conflict. So he says, look, you guys know the story of what happened. I don't have to break it down for you. Well, for us, we have to break it down. We had to go back to Acts 16 to understand, no, he was spitefully treated. You guys remember he got thrown in jail? And then they were gonna, they were gonna do something to him, and then the, 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 the jail rocks and stuff like that, and they're all loosed. And then the jailer comes in there, he's about to commit suicide. You guys remember the story. Well, he didn't have to tell them the story, they knew it already. They were spitefully treated. But guess what? It didn't discourage him. He and Timothy and Silas, they just continued to to preach the gospel. Why? Because, again, it's just an opportunity for us in our lives that whatever should happen, again, what is our goal in our life? Christian, what what is your mission? What is the mission that we each are on within our lives? Oh, we talk about going on missions trips and being missionaries and, and things like that. But I, Christian, I tell you today, and I've said this many times before. This is not the first time you've heard it. We are on a mission field. It's not just the fact that, well, I go to church on Sunday and I do a Bible study during the week and then I do. No. Every single day when you wake up, you are on mission. You're on mission someplace that I will not be at. Why? Because that's not my mission. My mission's at my work. My mission's at my house. 24-7. 365. So it's not as they were in vain and they're not, they were bold to speak the gospel. They were willing to take steps out. Why? Because the only thing that mattered to Paul was what? Christ and him crucified. If I'm in jail, it's just an opportunity to preach to the, the jailer. If I'm outside of that, then guess what? I've got a whole city to talk to. They want to beat me up and throw me out. Guess what? I'm going to come back in the city and I'm going to finish up doing what I'm supposed to do. Why? Because I'm still alive. And while I still have breath within my lungs, then guess what's going to come out? The breath is going to come out and it's going to be a a talk about Jesus. The motivation here and motivation in life is it's the reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. It's a drive. It's an inspiration. Christian, again, what is what is the reason or the reasons that you guys have for acting in any way that you do? 
Now, again, I understand there are the things of life, and I've talked about that before, too. Again, we're not all the time like, oh, it's Jesus. Oh, it's Jesus. I'm going to brush my teeth. Hey, Jesus, I'm brushing my teeth. Hey, Jesus, I'm getting a drink of water. It's not that. There are the things of life. But there's the attitude that you take in what you're doing of how you handle things and how you react react to things as far as is that for Jesus? It's not coming up with an excuse and saying, well, that's kind of how I've always been. No, it's not how you've always been. Why? Because you're a new creation in Christ. The old has passed, and here comes the new. See, again, so so many times we want to look back and go, well, Kevin, you don't know where I came from. Guess what? I don't care where you came from. All I know is where you are now. Okay, some of that might have created some of the personality traits that you have and things like that, but guess what? You're a new creation in Christ. Nobody can tell me they had a worse background than Paul in here. Okay, nobody. So don't even try that. Paul, can you imagine again the nightmares that Paul had of the, the family that he he pulled away, the, the, the killings that he saw, the kids screaming, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy, why are you taking... I mean, can you imagine the torment that Paul went through? So don't tell me that you've got, well, Kevin, you don't understand my past. I don't. But I give that to Jesus and God and let Him deal with it. You are responsible for you today. That's not an excuse for you to sin today. So again, the, the motivation and, and, the, and the things that you are doing, what motivates you? Well, again, what we see here is what's motivating Paul as we're going to move into it is, is this church right now. Man, I just want to preach Jesus. We move into verse 3. It says, For our exhortation, our appeal, did not come from error or uncleanness, and nor was it in deceit. But we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not pleasing men, but God who tests our heart. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. So Paul starts off and says, hey, look, we did not do these things. Okay, we did not. At first, I didn't speak in error. I didn't come to you and speaking falsehoods and I didn't I didn't come to you and and saying things that were not true. I didn't come to you in uncleanness. I there was no sexual immorality within my life and there was no none of those things that were happening. I didn't come to you with deceit. Deceit here is like a lure, like you go fishing and you you use a, a lure to kind of deceive the fish so that he thinks it's food and he bites it and he pulls it in. I didn't come to you. See, what was happening is a church in Thessalonica, the leaders there, they didn't want Paul there. He was preaching something different. They didn't believe in it. And so as they come across him, these people are in the background saying, oh, well, you know him. He's got deceit in his life. Oh, oh those those three there, they've got some sexual problems. And there's there's some mumbling and grumblings going on. And, and there's, oh, well, they're using deceit. They're using a lure in their life. They're just getting you into that so they can grab some money out of you and they can grab fame and fortune. And they're, they're trying to lead you astray from what the true religion is, which is Judaism. You guys know that already. And so they're using these things. Paul says, I, di- I didn't come to you with that. I, I would never do that to you. I, I, I didn't come to you with, with any of these things. So as he starts to plead his cause, he says, you know, I've been approved by God. I came to you Approved from God. I'm an apostle of God. I'm a apostle of Jesus Christ. I didn't come to you with all these other things. So many times we as Christians, we go into the workplace or we go into our different surroundings and we try to be, you know, kind of buddy-buddy with the world. 
Oh, well, I don't want to give them too much Christ because then they're going to they're going to reject it and they're going to move away from me. Well, no, you're using allure. You're using deceit. I'm telling you, Christian, you can't be in the world and bring them to Jesus. You're actually doing what they were saying that they were claiming. You have to be Jesus. You have to walk the walk. There has to, there should be a difference between each one of us in this room as opposed to the rest of the world. There should be. And again, like I've said, don't be a jerk for Jesus. I mean, it's not that. It's not just coming down their throat every time they mention their, their face about something. And they, oh, I went out last night. Oh, you shouldn't go out last night. You know why? Because this is, don't, don't do that. Okay. Don't be thrown a scripture verse every time they open their mouth. It's not counsel. You're judging. If you are living your life in a righteous way, they will see that and they will know that. I worked at UPS and if, he was here or Matt was here. We'd have talk about it right now. But I mean, there was, so, I felt like UPS was the army. I've never been in the army, but I really thought that that was the army. If, if you'd ever worked there, those two would agree. But anyway, so you just go out and you're just, they wouldn't cuss around me on the belt. Now I didn't say, Hey, thou shalt not. You don't use that language around me, man. Cause I'm a Christian. I never had to. Why? Because there was a point of respect that they would sit there and go, Oh, wait a minute. You know, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Okay. I, I didn't sit there and go, gosh, I can't believe it, man. You're such a jerk. Why would you do that? You just made me sin. No, you made you sin. It's a point, again, of, of living within the world, but not being of the world. Again, we can't, we can't use that lure to think that, well, I'm going to change the gospel so that I can get in there and then I'll really show them the gospel. Nah, that is a deceit. And you're doing Jesus in, 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 in a, a wrong hood because you're sitting there not doing the things. that He didn't die to do that. Jesus actually spent more time with the sinners and with the, the tax collectors and those people than he did with the righteous. And Jesus didn't change who he was. He's God. How is he going to change who he is when he's doing anything? He's, he's God. I can't be anything but that. And so he loves on them and he hears their stories and he pours into them. And, and Paul, when he's there, he's, he's just looking at this church and he just continues to pour into this tr- church and he continues to love them. He says, but, verse 4, as we have been approved by God to be entrusted, to be entrusted is, it's, it's, it, it, you know, we went years ago to the Smithsonian and they have the Hope Diamond is there. I don't know if you've ever seen the Hope Diamond. It's massive. I mean, you can't miss it, but it's, it's huge. And so the Smithsonian's been entrusted to take care of that. You know, so Mission Impossible doesn't come in there and, you know, go through the roof and seal it and stuff like that. They've been entrusted. There's security measures. There's things that they have set up to make sure that this is the most valuable thing that we probably have within the Smithsonian. And we're entrusted to take care of it. Do you value the gospel the same way? Do you value the, 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 the fact that the God has entrusted the gospel to each one of us? God has, inv- has entrusted each one of us to know his word. That he's put together these, these books that we call that are actually letters that, that he's been entrusted us to, to know his word. To sit there and, and to bathe yourself in this and to, the only way that I'll know God and I'll know Jesus is to know His Word and to study it and to understand it and to break it down. And then again, like I've said, it's not a point where I just have a bunch of knowledge in my head. It's a point where then I apply it to my life and then I walk the walk. 
And I take this in and I digest it. And then what comes out of me is just love. As I truly then understand everything that God has done for me. He's given me life and He's given me breath. He's given me salvation. The gospel is so much greater. And we sit here at times and we just have our Bible. I've got like 1,900 different versions on my U version, so I don't have to like actually open the paper part and I don't have to actually study it and, and think about it because it just automatically pops up on my phone or I don't have to stop it. It's not entrusting. It's a nuisance. I get tired when things pop on my phone now. I'm like, oh gosh, something else has popped up on my phone. I don't even look at it anymore. Do you value? Do you take in the entrusted? Do you take in the fact that God has entrusted it to you, the responsibility there? Paul continues and says, We do not continue to, to speak not pleasing to men. Turn over to 2 Timothy 2, verse 4. Or verse 2, it says, Preach the word. Paul speaking to Timothy, probably the last letter that he writes. Paul giving his, his last bit that he has to Timothy is before he, before Paul dies. And he's encouraging Timothy here. He says, hey, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have such itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Paul just encouraging Timothy here and, and kind of the same thing that we could do for ourselves today as you turn back over to 1 Thessalonians is, 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 are you willing to endure? Are you willing to be prepared in all seasons? Christians, we're in a time now, and, and, and again, as we continue to say this years and years and as it's gone through, is the fact that we're sitting here and, and, and you see it. People have itching ears. The people have the desire to change the gospel. Why? Because, well, it's just not fair. I think such and such should be able to teach. I think such and such should be able to be married. I think such and such should be able to eat as much food as he wants to. I think, I don't think that there should be regulations. I don't think people are actually going to go to hell. People say that now. People say it in the church. Well, no, God won't send people to hell. What? Well, what's he supposed to do? He's given us the choice. He's given us the opportunity. He's even given you a Savior. But you think he sent Jesus to die on a cross for the judgment and for the salvation and He's not going to send Him? Christian, He has to. Well, God is love. God is love. But God is also true. God is also pure. Christian, are you ready? Again, it gets back to the fact, do, do you know your Bible enough to be able to have these conversations with people in a loving way? Again, I, I had somebody, a friend of ours, that, that he really felt that. 
he felt bad about him. He'd done something and then he felt like, oh, somebody else told him that, you know what? You know, God is love. He's not going to send anybody to hell. And I said, no, I'm sorry. And I didn't, I didn't, what? Are you crazy? I didn't do that. Christian, again, you have to, in love, you have to honor that person. You have to bring them to the scriptures. Again, it's not my sarcasm that's going to bring him to an understanding of of the gospel of Christ. It's Jesus working through me. Paul says, no, we didn't come pleasing to men and we didn't use flattering of words and we didn't come out using these these big words to, to kind of make make somebody feel good and 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 use our make ourselves look better and and bigger or something like that. We didn't come in a cloak of covetousness. See, we didn't come for financial gain. You know, Paul, Paul sits here and, as you guys know, I mean, Paul he, he's working right. Whenever he needs to be, he's he's a tent maker, correct? So he goes out and he's a tent maker. And then also there's times where he's taken money as far as for from the Philippian church. They, they bless him at one point too. It's not a point where he's coming and he's trying to steal from this church. He didn't come to take God's glory from him. And some people need to see that today. We didn't seek your praise, he says. We did not seek glory. And, and it's a slippery slope. I'll tell you, I, I've said before that the person up here gets too much credit and too much praise for what we do. Is that fair? I, I know sometimes you guys are, oh, thank you so much for all that you do. I, I get too much praise. What Honestly, this week, the attitude and a heart measure, Yana's heart this week, much greater than my heart. Okay, I, I, I love the word, I love to teach, but the purity of Yana's heart, much greater service to God. Why? Because just out of the, the overabundance and the, the overflowing of her love, she just said, hey, guess what I'm going to do? I'm just going to, not for my own praise, not for her own glory, as she's probably staring me down again. She's not for her own praise, her own glory. It's just, it's just the fact that, I got that backwards. Her own praise, her, her own glory. You can edit that, please. And so he, um, she just did it out of an abundance of love of Jesus. We get up here and, and you'll see pastors and very, very well spoken. And, and some that are great. I mean, there's some that I listen to every week. I, I just love. But they're not the only ones who know Jesus Christ. They're not the only ones who can come up here and talk. They're not the only ones who have the ability to break down the scriptures and explain it to somebody. And again, if I've given a talent to do this, well, this talent is no greater than anybody else's talent, correct? Is it greater than somebody who comes in and cleans the church? Is it greater than somebody who sets up the, the the food over here? Is it greater than somebody who invests in the kids' lives? Is it greater than is it greater than a mom who has four or five kids and is is trying to pour her heart into those kids? Is it greater than all that? But why don't they get to write books? You know, why don't they get to to, to have different ministries and, and make millions of dollars off of it? Again, it's a slippery slope. And again, there's great hearts out there of people that have written books and, and made money off of it and then turn it around and, and bless in. And then, and then there's some people who take that money and, and, and don't bless back in, you know, and, and live ways that I just don't understand how they can live that way. Jesus said, I have no place to place my head at night. Oh, but the Lord blessed me with this opportunity and I've sold 10 million copies and did not seek your praise. It's 
Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord. This is my name. My glory I give no other. I don't come here as a judge for those people today, and I know it sounds like it. I was on a little rant, and I apologize, but I just know that I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. And as, as much as I'm going to have to try to answer for in my life of my failures, those people are going to have to answer to the Lord for theirs. And you will have to answer for yours. You guys have all got talents. Each one of you. You know, Kevin, I, you, don't, you don't understand. I, I don't think I do. You do. You have abilities and you have gifting, giftings that I don't have. And you're saying, Kevin, well, where I'm at in my life right now, I just, I don't think so. I don't think that I can be used by God. I don't think that I can, that something can, no, you can. I could go through the room and point out to different abilities that each one of you has, and some of you would be shocked that, that I notice those things, but I do. And, and, and the side of it here is we're going to move into the next section is, as a pastor, is you want people to engage and to go. Go into the world. Be released and do it. And it's not for the church's sake. It's not for for our building's sake. It's for Jesus. Be released and go. Love others wherever that you are at with the abilities that you have. Verse 7, Paul starts with, but, and again, as we've learned in the past, this is a transition now from where he was currently at. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, and for laboring night and day that we might be a burden unto you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are our witness, and God also. How devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you now, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that we, you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Well, what's our motivation? What's Paul's motivation here? We understand his, his mission that he has there, and, but the motivation that you see here is as, as a gentle, gentle as a nursing mother, and it's, as, it's not a nursemaid that's taking care of this. I mean, Christine and I have been watching this show, and it's based in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and these people are unbelievably rich, and, and, um, and so they, when they have kids, there's a nurse that takes care of the kid, except for like an hour a day or something like that. Paul says, no, there was, there was no nursemaid. I, I loved you guys. Have you seen a, a, a mom with a, a new baby and they just sit there and they'll just hold. Why? Because they just love. And anything that this child needs, I'm going to be there. Anything that this child, the child needs to eat, I'm, I'm there. Get me up. I've had no sleep. Okay. You know, they can barely walk. They can barely, they can't, they haven't combed their hair in weeks and they haven't taken a shower. They haven't, um, not that I've experienced this. They haven't, you know, they're barely out of their bathrobe and, and, but the only thing that matters in life at that moment is this child. What do I need to do? How do I take care of this child? Paul says, you know, but we were gentle among you. 
And not just gentle, the fact that, you know, again, I, I used nice words to you and I came in a cloak of covetousness or anything. No, 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 I came to you and I was gentle among you. I, I loved you guys like children. I, I met your needs and I, I was up late at night concerned for you and praying for you. I was up early in the morning and, and just making sure that things were fine in your house. And as we met at the, the Starbucks down the street, you know, we, we broke bread over some coffee and we talked about the things that were going on in your life. You were my kids. Second Timothy 2.24 says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. I was ready to do that for you. I invested into you. Just as nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. We gave our lives to you. In chapter 1, we talked about the gospel, but, but more, we, you were so worthy of love as, as my children. You were so worthy of love that we were willing to give everything that we had for you. I look at you guys and, and just the same thing happens here. We're just so willing to give whatever that we have and impart it to you. To, to love on you, to, to meet the needs that you guys have, to pray for you when you don't realize that you're being prayed for. To be concerned for you when you're not understanding that you need concern. Don and I have many times just conversations that we have of, hey, what's going on with this person? How are they doing? What is going on over here? As we both hear different things. This is the real cost of ministry. As Paul's pouring into these people and just the fact of, of just being able to give everything that he has and just, and saying, look, I'm not even, I'm not even a, a burden upon you guys. Man, I'm going to go work and I'm going to go take care of the things that I need to do on the outside to provide for myself because I don't want to be a burden even to you there. And I'm going to love you and I'm going to pour everything that I have, every, every bit of knowledge that I have within this Bible, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. And not to, that you would give something back to me or, or to, to Paul or to, to Pastor Don. It's just the fact that anything that I have, man, what is it that you need? That's the call of ministry. And there have been times where that, that call and that, that, that time has hurt. There's people who have, like Judas, have stabbed you in the back. There's been times where people have fallen short of the glory of God. And you've invested your, your sweat and your blood and, and your, your, everything that you have into them and for them to, to fall short and then to stay, stab you and to yell at you and to blame you. It's hard when you read the, the pastor's epistles here because this is a pastor Paul preaching into somebody. And as you read it as a pastor, you sit there and you realize that there are many topics here that um, this time around hit a little bit more deeper each time. Yeah, I taught on this area of Scripture four or five years ago when, um, well, now there's just more illustrations that unfortunately I can't share. Uh, it's because there's just the cost of ministry. 
And again, it's not a point where I sit here and I, and I, I just dump this on you and go, oh, poor Kevin, you know, again, he's just in that position. No. It's not the purpose. Because it's the same calling of what Paul says here. I, I come to you, you're just my loving children. I just love you. And it's just as, as my own kids, they have their ups and downs in life and you're, you want to be there and then they, they fall or they do something and, and just why? Because they're just going through life. It's the same thing with you guys. You guys are just going through life and there are ups and downs. And there are times where you guys are on your highs and, and everything is wonderful. And then there are times when you guys are in lows. And as a loving father, you just want to come alongside and just, how do I, how do I help you? It was no burden that he placed upon them as, as we talked about it. And as you've seen with Pastor Don working for years and, and I work on the outside too. And, and just the, the division there at times is that man, you like, you wish you just had more time like Paul did to be able to just, man, what, what can I do to spend more time with you? How do I spend more time to have an opportunity to counsel with you? And not to that it's awesome and how great Kevin is or how great Pastor Don is, but it's a point of how do I get you guys to the point where you're able to look at Jesus 100%. That's that's Paul's desire here. That's why Paul says, look, I I did nothing wrong. I I didn't come to you with with false words and I didn't come to you with with covetousness and there's no uncleanness and going on in my life and there's no I I didn't I didn't use a a, a lure to pull you guys in and I I came to you as 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 a loving mother with her newborn. I didn't place a burden upon your life. I didn't I didn't take from the church and I didn't take from what you guys were doing there. I came to you really just because I loved you. The only thing that I wanted to do was preach the gospel when I came to you. Unfortunately, I only had three weeks to do it, Paul says. That's all I wanted to do was preach the gospel. I would have stayed there for months, years. I can promise you that's that's the only desire of this church. It's just, just to preach the gospel to you guys. And Paul's desire for this, this church in Thessalonica is just that they would not leave what he started... Th- then those three weeks, as he's now moved to a different city, he looks back to them and he's pleading with them, man, I want you guys to remember exactly what we talked about and exactly the things that we preached on. That it was Christ and him crucified. And don't, don't let others come along and say that, oh, well, you know, Paul and, and Timothy and Silas, well, they're just a bunch of liars and they were just a bunch of just hooligans just coming in and trying to steal you guys away, but they don't know the real truth. He says, no, listen to me only thing that I wanted to do. It's not the church of Paul that's there. It's the church for Christ. Moves on in verse 10 and we get to see the character. Hopefully this is our character. He says, you are witnesses. You, Thessalonica, are witnesses. And God also of how devoutly and justly and blamely we behaved ourselves among you who believe. And as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And see, they walked blamelessly among them. And and, and quite honestly, as, as technology changes and things like that change within our, where we're at, you know, it's things to walk blamelessly in front of somebody gets a little harder each year, doesn't it? 
you know, with all the different temptations that are out there. I know many men and women, not many. I should scratch that out. I know some men and women that I have great admiration for that have fallen. Because they weren't willing to stay the character. Paul says that 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 was not us. And I pray, church, that that's not you. I pray, church, that as as I'm passionately trying to teach you this morning, that you will see the value that's within the gospel to not walk away. That whatever the church is trying, whatever the world is trying to give you, Whatever the church is, whatever the, the world is trying to tease you with, whatever the, the world is trying to, to grab you away, that you will understand that it's not worth walking away from the gospel of Christ. I'd also say that it's not the point that as you see here, he says, you are witnesses. He's talking to the Thessalonians, but it's God also. And can I remind you guys that we, we so many times are so much worried about what the world thinks or what the world sees and if they will see me doing that sin, I'm more concerned about that. Why? Because that's instant judgment, correct? I mean, if you saw me walking and doing something wrong, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I hope nobody sees me doing this. Can I remind you? He says, but God also. God sees you all the time. And just because you can't see him doesn't mean that he doesn't see you. Well, Kevin, I, I don't do any of that stuff. I'm not going to, to, to bars and I'm not going to, to places of ill repute and I'm not doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Well, you know, did you know God watches and listens to your jokes? Hmm. Ever tell something that you're like, eh, this one's a little wrong, but here, listen to this. Here, it listens to your language. You got a colorful language? You know, do you have, you have a little spice within there? Huh? He's within your thoughts, your thought life. You know, with that, those thoughts that you have that you're like, well, nobody hears it anyways, and it's just between, yo. Know, he, he, he knows those things. He knows the thoughts of our hearts. Exactly. And the thoughts that are not good in our hearts. Christian, do, do you understand that? So Paul's saying that, look, it's, I, I, I walk blamelessly in front of you, but also God. Christian, are you able to say that? I, I've confessed before that I've gotten to a point now where I don't I don't say everything that comes out. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm pretty sarcastic and quick witted and stuff like that. But um, but now I'm getting to the point where I'm trying not to think those things. Okay, so that's that's the next step. So we've worked on the first part, and I'm getting pretty good on that part. But the next part is me not thinking it. You know, because then I'll laugh about it anyways, because it is usually pretty funny. But it's a point where I'm trying to get to the point where I don't think those things anymore. Why? Because they're inappropriate. They're wrong. And guess what? Just because you don't hear it doesn't mean that God doesn't know it. Paul says, you and God saw how devoutly and justly and blamely we behaved ourselves among you. Those are important characteristics of the walk. Verse 13 moves into and it says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, 
which you heard from us. You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. It's just a fact, again, as, as we come to you and we teach you and, and you guys receive the word of God. Again, it's not Kevin's word of God. It's not, it's not John's word that he's giving out. It has nothing to do with that too, isn't it, Jared? And so it has nothing to do with that. It's a fact of it's, it's God's word. And you guys need to receive that word and to have an understanding and to know what's going on. You guys need to receive that and then apply it to your own lives. Again, Christian, as we sit there and we look at these things, and um, each time I teach, I, I encourage you guys to be in your Word of God. I encourage you guys to sit there and to, to study it and to know it. Why? Because it's not for Kevin's glory. It's for the fact that it's, it's for God to be able to work within your own life. Verse 14 says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea and Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. Interesting thing here. Imitator, they, it's not the imitator's part, but they, they were abused by... Guess what? Why were they abused? Why were they beaten up? Do you understand why? It, it was the, just the same calling. It was the fact that they were acting out in Christ's character. So, so many times when you are sitting there and you get made fun of at work or you get made fun of when you have family reunions at this time of the year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, everybody's like, oh, there's that Christian, you know, and they start making fun of you. It's, it's the fact of, guess what? It's because of Christ's character within you. It's not that you've done something wrong. Again, it's, it's the light that shows upon you from, from Christ that comes out and they go, oh, that's too bright. I can't, I can't have that. Woo, you know, that's, that's just bringing some kind of light onto the dark fun that I'm trying to have right now. And so you, Christian, continue to shine that light. Remember last time I talked a couple months ago, it was on, on being the light. There's nothing wrong with being the light. Allow that light to come out of you and to show, shine forth through all of anybody that you're around. Whether it's with your family, whether it's just driving on the way to work, whether it's at, at work, whether it's at the grocery store, allow that to come out. Paul looks at them and says, man, for you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and our own prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Paul gets a little strong here at the end in verse 16. And just, again, allow the Lord to be the one that does the judging. It's not our part, position to judge. It's not our position to sit there and... and, and I, <laughs> Get a little confused with that sometimes because if you read the Psalms, David is pretty, pretty stout in his judgments of what he wants the Lord to do. You know, I mean, I used to think the Psalms were just wonderful, nice and joyful things to read, and then, you know, David will go on a rant about, you know, cast all of them to hell, you know, and you're like, whoa, David, you know, I mean, he's a warrior, so I mean, that's that's who he is, you know, he's he was a poet, but he was also he's a warrior. He's like, Lord, I want to do it, but you go ahead and do it for me, type thing. But um, smite <laughs> them all. But Christian, especially during this time of Thanksgiving, don't don't be the one that sits there and has to feel like you have to be the judge. 
It's, it's not our position. Again, if it was, we probably would have been judged a long time ago. But to be able to walk within the grace, be able to walk within the confidence of what the Word of God says, and be prepared. Again, don't, don't sit there and cower to it. Don't sit there and change your philosophies just because the world says this or that. But stay true to what the Word of God says. And if the Word of God condemns them, then allow the Word of God to be the one that does that, not you. Be ye holy as I am. So, amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you again just for the opportunity to to open your word. Lord, to be able to, to, to read this letter that Paul wrote, to kind of eavesdrop in somebody else's mail. Father, that you would sit there and just continue to watch over us within our own lives, Lord. God, the same way that Paul cares for this church, I know that you care the same for us, Lord. The desires and the hopes and the dreams that you have for each one of us, Lord. The desire for obedience from us, Lord. For us to love others. For us to care for others. To be doers of the word. Not just hearers only. Lord, we just love you. We begin as we understand what the gospel truly means. Our love for you and the understanding of what you did just continues to grow. Father, again, thank you so much. We love you and we ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.